Hey, welcome to the Morning Mic Check. I'm Pat Brown here with Mike Metzger. Mike and I have known each other for a while now. I first met him around 2010, and he's become one of the key mentors in my life. Over the years, we've had countless conversations, and in almost every one, I've walked away having discovered something new. Mike has this unique ability where he can reframe a conversation, and you begin to discover a deeper reality around you. It's a bit like Alice tumbling down the rabbit hole. I'm releasing these conversations as an invitation to follow me as I go down that rabbit hole. Well, good morning, Mike. Good morning. We are back after a nice little break. Um, We're back. <laughs> for uh, anyone anyone listening to these conversations, um, we're going to do a little bit of a, a series here focused on um, book reviews. We're going to look through, not quite reviews, I guess more summaries. Um, Mike, you've read a ton, and uh, you read a lot of books that I'm sure most are not necessarily going to read. Um, and so we thought it would be helpful to just talk through some of these books. Uh, my curiosity is obviously the content of the book, but also why why you see them as valuable or meaningful for yourself and for potentially you know other believers. And so we're going to take at least a couple weeks and, and dive in and just start digging through these, these books. We're going to start today with uh, The Triumph of the Therapeutic. Uh, uses of faith Ooh. after Freud. Uh, so, uh, very curious. It's, it sounds like this is relevant uh, to today and, and to an, in particular recent events. So, let's let's jump in, Mike. Sure. And just to reinforce for you two, three listeners out there, we uh, we were just not going to guilt trip people with, uh, "Gosh, you got to read this book." Um, my wife and I have been doing this for forty-two years, and. I generally don't read the books she reads, and she generally doesn't read the books I read. <laughs> and we're very happy. We're very much in love. Um, now, it's helpful if along the way I might just highlight something and as to why this is a helpful book. So it's not so much that I found these books helpful. I find that the, the people that I look to who have sort of been my mentors have cited these kinds of books, these writers, because they sort of have a, a piercing insight into the world in which we live. And, uh, you know, I, I think as a Christian, I aspire to be uh, similar to the sons of Issachar, who said that the only remark we hear about them in the Bible is they understood the times, so they knew what Israel should do. And I think one of the uh, sad hallmarks of American Christians is we hardly understand the times, and so we generally do, do not know what to do. And so these, uh, these little conversations we'll have about these books might help us a bit to better understand the times and then understand uh, the shape of our faith and the way it's shaped the way it is in America in 2023. Mm -hmm. So in the triumph of the therapeutic, Philip Reef. Most people, you ever heard of Philip Reef? Only through you. And, uh, and actually, coincidentally, uh, another book I'm currently reading, he's mentioned in it as well. Well, there you go. For listeners, it's R-I-E-F-F. -F. Uh, this book was written in 1966. Uh, Reef was what we would call an unconventional Jew. He taught at the University of Pennsylvania. He was at one time married to Susan Sontag, S-O-N-T-A-G. If you Google her, you will go, my, my. 
that must have been uh, quite um, a marriage. Uh, they were certainly brilliant. Uh, when I say uh, uh, Reef was unconventional, uh, he dressed very uh, flamboyantly for a professor, um, but he also just had a marvelous mind. And his book that was published a year after he passed away, I believe it was 2006, was called My Life Amongst the Death Works. Ah, there's a title. <laughs> and basically, uh, if you're familiar with all with C.S. Lewis and the abolition of man, here is a, someone not a person of faith almost writing the same thing, that uh, we live in a, in a, in a uh, culture that ultimately is a death works. It will mean the abolition of humanity and what it means to be a human being. And uh, that was Reef's sign-off before he passed away. But some 40 years before then, he wrote The Triumph of the Therapeutic Uses of Faith after Freud. Now, what do we know about Sigmund Freud? What, what comes to your mind when you hear of Sigmund Freud? Isn't he in kind of the, mother, the father of modern psychology? Some of the thoughts on uh, son-mother relationships, those types of things. Yeah, he uh, Freud actually was helpful in one way. He did, in some ways, undermine some Enlightenment assumptions. He and, believe it or not, Charles Darwin, when they both began to perceive that there is um, there's an unconscious um, layer in us that that uh, actually drives most of our behaviors. We're not as rational as Enlightenment thinkers assumed. In fact, we're we're predictably irrational and. And so I found Freud is helpful in that regard. But Freud also uh, was pretty much opposed to religion. And so what Reef describes in The Triumph of the Therapeutic, again, 1966, is he says that the, our society has gone through three phases. Uh, the first was, uh, he calls a religious man, just think religious person today if you're, if you're offended with the pronoun. But uh, previous society was always marked by a religious man. And then with Marx, Karl Marx in the mid-1800s, it was economic man. So you make sense of your life by uh, economics. And um, that's what Marx said. Everything is a, is a class struggle economic, between the classes and economics. But the current age is what he calls a psychological man. And the psychological person by that, he says, it creates a new type of individual who finds the meaning in life within themselves. And so psychological man is someone or psychological person uh, put uh, moves away from any sort of religious tradition because those are binding and all binding is repressive and so and notice the phrases he uses the point is to find a a balanced life uh, seek meaning from within uh, he didn't use this phrase but essentially be a spiritual without being religious. And so one of the principal features of psychological man, because the life is lived within, is a general indifference to what happens in the world beyond your head, hence the phrase, whatever. Now, that was a lot about a bit about a pet. So let's start with religious man. What is what did what does the word religion mean? <laughs> it's a Latin word. Where do we get it from? Oh, isn't it uh, rebinding? 
That's right. Ligio. That's right. Ligio, ligament, ligament spine together tissue and bone. And so religion is a set of commitments or traditions that bind an individual. Hence, you see Jesus saying, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And it's the idea that uh, some things are forbidden and some things are permitted. Now, we're not going to get into all that. What Reef understood from his Jewish background is that all societies are made up of these customs or norms of binding and loosing. Um, but with psychological man, guess which one goes out the window? Binding. Binding is bad because you're not, you can't express your own individual take on reality. Well, yeah, you can express it. Yeah, and, and that makes sense. So the binding goes to the, re, the repression. That's right. That's Freud. I can't be me. Um, so Robert Bell actually picked up this theme in his 1985 book, Habits of the Heart, Individualism and Commitment in America. We'll take up this book on another day. But Bella's point was that the original idea of freedom from the founders, actually he talks about there was this, this notion of biblical freedom, which has boundaries. And then there was the expression of freedom in the founders of our country. But he said, since the uh, Freud's time, we now have a thing called expressive individualism. And expressive individualism basically says, um, we'll put it in this context. So if I don't like what this church I'm going to is doing, I'm going to go plant another church that expresses how I understand the Bible. Mm -hmm. And that's called expressive individualism. This type of individualism barely has any bindings. So I felt this, for example, as a pastor, um, I could regale you with stories. It was an independent church. Um, but I found that if we ever try to do church discipline, which is part of binding, the person would just go, adios. Mm. So much for that. So just to, to stay here for a second, Mike, you, it's in, I think it's kind of wild to hear your perspective. So you're thinking about uh, a pastor in, in the age of the psychological man, according to Reef. What are the time spans Reef is, is talking about when he is yeah, doing so, this analysis? Right. So Reef is picking up on Freud. And so what Freud introduced, especially in 1882, um, that's actually Nietzsche's book, uh, God is Dead. Freud has a more nuanced view and says, well, God is dead because actually we've killed him. But the fact is, we can't live without it. We can't make sense of our lives. So what we come become is internalized and come up with our own perception of God, our own definition of God, our own definition of spirituality. Our understanding for Christians is, well, here's how the, what this verse means to me. And this creates what is the triumph of the therapeutic over the theological, if you want to put it that way. That's another famous study down at Yale University that uh, we're now theological pygmies, but we're uh, therapeutic giants. And this then leads to, I guess, what the point why this book is important in my mind. 
is this Christian Smith and his work that he did while a professor at the University of North Carolina on the religious lives of young people. And Smith is the one who said, actually, the prevailing gospel, even in churches that claim we are conservative and traditional and biblical, he said the gospel is basically defines it as moralistic, therapeutic deism. I'm sure we have to unpack that. <laughs> yeah, and and this is good. That's come up before as well. So that that it's memory moralistic being, you know, do good, uh, do what's right, therapeutic, what feels good for you, and deism. There, you know, acknowledge there is a presence of God, but it's uh, it's it's within the context of the other two. Yes, and just to expand a bit, so moralistic has a sense of. Uh, uh, the gospel is moral, but moral as I understand it. So it's a selective moral. It might be um, um, uh, don't upset people. That could be a moral view. Um, therapeutic is more important. It's what uh, is often called today for certain generations, uh, snowflake. Ever heard that phrase before? Yeah. That's uh, definitely a negative connotation to it. Yeah. <laughs> a snowflake is who? Uh, typically referred to uh, as as someone who's very sensitive, maybe brittle in, in terms of feelings or, or uh, yeah. Well, snowflake isn't brittle, <clears throat> but it does um, any heat and it melts away. So any opposing views, yeah, uh, it melts away. Um, that's what's meant by therapeutic is that uh, I don't go to church to have my views challenged. Not in a serious way. Now we can say in a very abstract, generalist way, oh, we're a materialistic um, country. In fact, we're probably the most materialistic uh, Christianity in, in the history of the world, I would say. And we'll, we'll nod our heads and go, yes. But I'm not. Hmm. And if you were to ever suggest that's the case, or that our music might, in fact, <clears throat> be anything but worshipful, no, no, that 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 it is too wounding to consider. Snowflakes are what is Paul was troubled by in the church in Corinth, uh, a defiled, wounded conscience that simply cannot entertain the thought that uh, they are debauching the Eucharist. Just can't go there. Um, so Reeve, listen to what he writes in 1966, especially give here's a backdrop. I was around a group of Christians, we were Protestant evangelicals, in the 1990s, who developed a thing called the Emergent Church. Mm, yeah. Here's Reef in 1966. In the emergent culture, a wider range of people have, quote, spiritual, quote, concerns and engage in quote spiritual pursuits 
It will be more singing and more listening. People will continue to genuflect and read the Bible, which has long achieved the status of great literature. But no prophet will denounce the rich attire or stop the dancing. It will be more theater, not less. And no Puritan will denounce the stage and draw its curtains. On the contrary, <clears throat> on the contrary, I expect that modern society will mount psychodramas far more frequently than its ancestors mounted miracle plays, with patient analysis acting out their inner lives, after which they could extemporize the final act of interpretation, in other words, come up with their own interpretations. In other words, things like uh, Enneagram would uh, give us far better categories than what the Bible ever describes people. <laughs> Psychological man psychological man now what happens and go ahead well, I was, so this idea of the psychological man is if you mentioned these ages religious man economic psychological i think if i'm hearing you correctly reef is describing what is chief or most important or like the the, the core thought yeah, and that's so right when we're in psychological man, the core thought of this age we're in is me and what's, what's good for me is decided by me and uh, everything else should be changed or adapted for that. Like that's the, that's the subordinated the mindset yes. subordinated. It's a, yeah, a much There's, better. Word. The binding is much looser and the loosing is much greater. And so, if I don't like this certain thing in my church, go start another one. If um, it creates the therapeutic means, um, I don't like the way that church feels, so that can't be right. Or if I don't understand it, uh, they've got to make me understand it. But it's not up to me to shed my biases, my preconceived notions, and enter that world and perhaps see the good of binding, for example. No, binding is bad, period. Reef actually put it in, this, in his life amongst the death works. He said, thou shalt not, will not be heard anymore. Hmm. So, yeah, this is all very helpful up to this point. Where does Reef go from here? Is is there is there more to this piece, or is this is this basically him saying this is where we're at? Well, he no, he he. Uh, well, the jury's out on where it goes, but according to Reef, the effect of uh, the psychodramatic therapeutic he would have uh, liked the phrase moralistic therapeutic deism. Deism is simply. Um, to give a little refinement to that, it's a very abstract view of God. That's one I'm, I'm just stunned when I hear people say, well, the man upstairs, that's deism. Hmm. Um, well, God wound up the clock and just let it run. That's deism. Deism is, uh, if you say, um, Jesus is hardly ever referred to as the second person of the Godhead. Well, that, that's just academic talk. Well, it's actually historic Christianity. Um, no notion of uh, the Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. What? 
That's the Nicene Creed. Uh, uh, oh, um, Jesus, he is begotten, not created. God from God, light from light, true God from true God. Um, sorry, Mark. Yeah. Jesus, my buddy, I'm, what are you talking about? He begotten by the Father, not created. There you go. So, so that's, again, Reef said, beyond your, the world inside your head, the rest is whatever. That's deism. That's moralistic, therapeutic deism that generally goes soft on everything else out there that potentially might confuse or bind or wound or upset or offend. Um, you know the Bible. You know God. You know who Jesus is. Uh, you know the Holy Spirit. And you're set. So Reese said this. This is where it goes, in his opinion. The effect of all this he said is that spirituality will not be a return to classical Judaism or Christianity. In those classical ones, human life was shaped and transformed in relation to sound doctrines and teachings. Many would call it the apostolic tradition. It'll consist rather in a consumerist desire to pick and choose one's own spirituality. So he said, uh, here's, quote, here's a quote from Reef. The wisdom of the next social order, as I imagine it, will not reside in the right doctrine administered by the right men who must be found, but rather in doctrines amounting to permission for each person to live their own life, their own experimental life as to how they understand meaning and religion and spirituality Mike when when I'm thinking about this I'm hearing like I guess I'm asking myself what's what's the value of knowing this and understanding the times and one thing that jumps out to me is something I felt personal benefit from which is it's easy to be in a, a Christian context and look out at the secular world at some of the things that are, are far more modern in the speed of development. You know, when we look at transgender, when we look at um, some of those, the, the LGBTQ you know, plus air, area <laughs> that is growing, um, it's easy to look at that and go, see, that's, you know, that's a consequence of what Reef is talking about here. Sure. But where I found this helpful also is to go back to what you were saying, which is also, yes, but the church is not far off. It manifests itself in many of the same ways inside the church, but also in the subtle ways, like church shopping and like yeah. finding a place that fits me and That's realizing right. I also, any of these things that many would regard as you know, sinful pursuits of the secular, ah, the those same hints and desires are actually within the church, the most quote, quote, you know, righteous of them all. Um, that's, 
that's room for for maybe some lament or some at least self-reflection well yes and um yes that's a huge subject that we can turn to at a moment i will say one of the things that um comes out of moralistic therapeutic deism because even if you're not professing to be a christian uh, most americans uh, are infested with moralistic therapeutic deism and so you're right in this regard so the categories they come with classical judaism and christianity dissolve they melt uh, reef and another said another place said everything becomes liquid and in becoming liquid which is a fascinating scene from the matrix by the way um in everything becoming liquid nothing is solid anymore so you don't for example and now i'm going to turn to this week this past week uh, the slaughter in the gaza strip hamas the october horror is how Peggy Noonan at, uh, correctly um, calls it, where terrorists call themselves a resistance movement, passes over the border from Gaza, murdered little children, took infants as, as hostages when they screamed. They murdered old women. They tormented and raped young women. They uh, murdered at the at the uh, music festival unarmed young people in cold cold blood, or moved them or mowed mowed them down as they ran screaming. They murdered whole families as they begged for their lives. They burned people alive. They decapitated babies. They uh, actually killed a grandmother and uploaded pictures of her corpse on her Facebook page. They cut an unborn child from a mother's body and murdered both. But here in America, beginning with our Ivy League students, student groups declared their support for Hamas. And you saw from educators around, around uh, in the U.S. that uh, we must give greater context to the actions of Hamas. And this is, quote, here's one. The inevitable result when a people are long abused. No. Wow. This is what happens when savages hold the day. And uh, it's very similar to, um, well, as Noonan said, makes a good point. She goes, we seem to be raising a generation whose most privileged and educated members appear to be incapable of making moral distinctions. That is what Philip Reeves says we get from this. So yes, it's in the church, Pat, in terms of people cannot make moral distinctions as to why, for example, up until 1867, all sacramental traditions held to closed communion. Well, today, that's so judgmental. So first, the Episcopal Church Anglicanism opened their communion in 1867 because they wanted to be inclusive. So the whole notion of what was drawn out of the book of Corinthians, the letter to Corinthians rather, about uh, Eucharist being taken 
improperly could kill you. <laughs> you must be kidding. Paul didn't really write that, did he? <laughs> what a what an intolerant, judgmental person. Uh, our church would never withdraw. We, of course, we make a little side. Uh, check your own heart. Make sure it's cool with God. Make sure. I mean, they put a little more righteously than that. But the fact is, the bar is very low, and we would never actually have someone coming up and knowing their life say, I'm sorry, you can't partake of this. Well, that person storms out, goes on Facebook, Instagram, whatever they go on these days to say how judgmental that church is. The press raked the priest in South Carolina, raked him over the coals when during last the last presidential campaign, that priest withheld communion from candidate Joe Biden because of his stand on abortion. How judgmental. God is love. Love permits. Love looses. It doesn't bind. It doesn't forbid. So we have this inside the church. In spades, I think. I think Christian Smith was right. And it makes a flaccid, formless, liquid Christianity that just flows with the cultural river. The cultural river is that psychological man that Reef predicted is incapable of making the moral distinctions that would say wrong. Wrong. This was a slaughter. This was a slaughter. The irony in this, Pat, is that Israel has their own Trump in Netanyahu, who has kind of turned Israel, or tried to, into, it's just about him, it's about his grievances, about how he's taken on the world, and that's drawn some, some rather, well, he, he was out the door, or was heading out the door, until the SIP, Israel remarkably is rallied around him. He's, he won't be around after this is done, but they have said, my God, and they have taken action, of which many around the world then say, oh, the savages. Look what Israel is doing, how savage. I've not read reports of Israeli soldiers taking young, pregnant Arab women and slitting their bellies open and pulling their babies out and murdering both. In a moralistic, therapeutic, deistic society, we tend to equivocate, not even equivocate, let me go further. We assign that the biggest problem is the West. Hence the 1619 Project by the New York Times, which has been roundly ridiculed by scholars that America's entire history can be defined by racism and slavery. So you either recognize that, recognize that you're a racist, or if you refuse to recognize it, then you actually are a racist because you don't <laughs> recognize reality. It's a brilliant catch-22. Then I sent a friend of mine, a friend of who graduated from Boston University, many years ago, 
that the Boston University hopped on the Spagwagon right away. They uh, uh, hired the most popular uh, anti-racist uh, theorist out there. We'll leave his name out. Uh, he was given millions. And uh, basically, the only document they put out over the last two three years is calling for a review of every department to root out uh, unconscious racism, systemic racism in every discipline. And by and large, the university professors and they have all kowtowed to it. Now that's called moralistic, therapeutic deism. Deism being this, you call on the name of God in such an abstract general way that no one will take it seriously. Second, and it's your take on God, by the way. Therapeutic is um, we, we have scores of students who report that when a uh, professor uses a pronoun, they're offended. And it's so upsetting, they, they can't come to class. So we must bend, we must loosen the binds, the, the bindings. We don't tell that student, grow up. We don't, we don't say to that student, well, since you like interactive so much, well, let's put you in this rave festival and you watch what happens. Pat, I was with a, uh, a, a man uh, probably in his 50s. I was watching one of our grandchildren play baseball the other night. And uh, this is a man we, we had over a couple nights later. But uh, he's from Cuba. He has just uh, emigrated here a couple of months ago. His English is pretty good. He's a filmmaker in Cuba and, he, and a friend of ours who they're in film. Um, they're having him in at home, in his home. His wife hopes to join him in December. And we were chatting. He's a lovely person and uh, vibrant. And uh, But he also said, uh, Cuba is just falling apart, absolutely falling apart uh, in uh, many, many levels. So I asked him, uh, Boris is his name. I said, uh, well, what do you think of America? And he goes, it's, it's so divided and so, um, um, and I wanted to say snowflake, hmm. but essentially you say, yeah, they, they, you can't, you can't endure any kind of substantive conversation. Hmm. He, he says, people go to such lengths if they're going to mention, for example, that they believe in something like, I know, and I don't want to sound judgmental and I don't want to, you know, and I just, the amount of prefacing. So I was watching a PBS last night on um, the schools who are trying to reintroduce open inquiry. Get that, isn't that wild? Open inquiry. And, <laughs> and so um, it's one class is an American university. And the professor is sitting there and saying, everyone in a big circle. Now, what does that denote, by the way? a big circle, and he's sitting on a chair just in the midst of the students. 
What is what is a circle denote? And the and the professor sitting at the same eye level in the circle, dressed down like a student, everything else. What does that denote? I mean, it seems like a sense of, of equal footing or, you know, we're all on the same level. Yeah, that's right. He's not an authority here. Yeah. And uh, it was painful to watch him setting it up. Like, I need to learn to listen to you. And you need to, we need to learn to listen to one another. And we need to, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, and then you hear the students and I think, oh my God, I know what they're paying in American U. I hope the parents aren't watching this. Well, you know, I sort of kind of, um, because, uh, you know, yeah, it looks, it looks bad over there, but I'm sure we just need more context to know what happened there in Gaza. And, and then I've seen them blowing up Gaza, which is terrible. And, you know. This, this is the professor talking? Or no, this the... Is, these are the students. Okay, okay. It used to be called pooling ignorance. It's now called education. <laughs> it's called the triumph of the therapeutic uses of faith after Freud. So the fastest growing group in America today are religious nuns and ONES, but they are spiritual. Well, how are they spiritual? How do we define spiritual? Each individual defines them spiritual, by the way. And your spiritual, your definition of spiritual ends at the tip of my nose. And if you touch it and tweak it, you're judgmental. You're mean. You're not loving. You certainly aren't spiritual. Thou shalt not is something you can never say. That's what it means to live in what he called, <clears throat> Reef called the emergent culture. And I do feel that what we are creating are generations of snowflakes who are utterly unprepared, almost utterly unprepared, to make the sort of discerning, wise differentiations that Christians were known to make for thousands of years. Thousands. And it's only been the last 200 years particularly, and particularly with, we have to tell it, yep. Here's a, here's a, here's a, about what I'm about to say is an example of living in a moralistic therapeutic deism. This is largely as, as a, as was written in the, by by so many sociologists, we can't we won't incite them all. But this is largely the, the result of Protestant evangelicalism. That was the whole point of habits of the heart. Is the most individualistic, expressive individualism faith tradition in the history of the world. Is Protestant evangelicalism. Well, most of my friends who are Protestant evangelical cannot stand to hear that and certainly will not consider it. It's either too offensive, it sounds judgmental, it sounds mean, 
It's not the way they understand God. Our church is supposed to be a safe place. That, my friends, is moralistic, therapeutic, theism. So it's both in. It's in the church, but like in the Matrix, as Morpheus tells Neo, it's everywhere. It's in your church. It's out here in the world, too. And it makes us sound ridiculous to much of the world who witnesses these sorts of things and why we are often safely ignored by much of the rest of the world who just we they just roll their eyes and go you guys are in la la land we're fighting for our lives here you're in la la land <laughs>